Good morning, Evangel Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. As you can see, our setup is a little bit different. We're gonna try something completely new today. But to begin, I just wanted to give you a couple of announcements. First, happy birthday to this Yay, guy. Happy birthday. As the kids say, he's getting a little old. Um, we will let you decide if you think that's true. I don't. He's perpetually young, but make sure that you post some happy birthday wishes here in the comments. He's gonna kill <laughs> me later, it's okay. Second, I just wanna thank you so much for your generosity with our food drive. Um, for the Salvation Army Food Bank. As you know, one of our values is Powell River. We are blessed to be a blessing to Powell River and we were able to do that. So thank you so much for your part in that. In that line of thought, we do have drive-through generosity today. If you're watching this at 10, then we're here until 12 o'clock today, but our office is also open during the week from nine to five, Monday through Thursday. So you can come in and just be a part of keeping our lights on, keeping the doors open, helping continue the work of the ministry here in Pell River because we just desperately don't want that to stop. So thank you so much for your continued faithfulness. Well, we are gonna dive into something a little bit different today. As we've been going through Hebrews to this point, there's been a bit of repetition in some of the themes. And so this passage is kind of one of those. And rather than giving you one more sermon about it, we thought, hey, if it's kind of repeating a theme, why not have a conversation about it? And so we're going to go uh, this morning into Hebrews 5 verses 1 to 11. Hebrews 5 verses 1 to 11. And if you don't have a Bible, you can head on over to myevangel.church forward slash Bible. There's some links to the app stores there, but there's also a form. And if you fill that out, we would love to get the paper Bible to you because we believe this is so important in your relationship with God. So let me read this for you. Hebrews 5 verses 1 to 11. Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent them in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins, as well as for the sins of the people. And no one takes this honor on himself, but he receives it when called by God, just as Aaron was. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, you are my son, today I have become your father. And he says in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered, and, once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. And we've touched on these things, but one of the things I love most about the Bible is how we can read through passages over and over and over again and find something fresh because we're not just reading words on a page. We have the Holy Spirit who speaks to us and highlights different things. 
And I know as we were all reading through this passage and studying it, there were different things that really stood out to each of us, different highlights, different pieces of this passage that um, were a little more prominent than others. And so we're going to conclude with that. But to begin, Lucas, one of the things that stood out to you was the priesthood of Jesus. And so why don't you quickly walk us through kind of the vocation and qualifications of a priest? Yeah, so to understand a first century writing, you have to go back to the first century understanding. We can't just overlay our understanding of Christianity and the Hebrew faith, the law and the prophets and all of that from kind of the way we see it today. We have to go back and understand how they saw it. Um, as I said last week in our sermon, um, the first century, the Christians, okay, and I, I put that in quotations because it wasn't until much later that that reference became a title. It wasn't a new religion. It was a continuation of the law and the prophets of the Judeo um, understanding of the world. And so this came out of the Old Testament, and now this is the New Testament understanding in light of Jesus being the Messiah, the one they've been waiting for. And that's what Christians believed. And so to understand what, what's going on here, uh, the writer of Hebrews is setting up this moment um, to just speak to what Jesus fulfilled in becoming a priest. And those of the first century, particularly those who are Hebrews, understood what it meant to be a priest. And I'm just going to simplify really quickly. The priest, and you'll see this kind of laid out in the first part of chapter 5 here, was of man, for man, by God. Okay? So let me, let me break that down a little bit. The high priest was selected of man. The high priest had to be a man. And here's why. And it speaks to this. Because they understood the weakness of being human, the weakness of being frail and, and broken before one another. And so it allowed for the high priest to have an empathy for people who walked in sin. And when, so, the, so when they sacrificed once a year, um, going into the Holy of Holies and preparing for that moment, there was a sense of empathy about that. The, the next thing is, it was, of, it was for man. Um, the pagan tradition around that time, priests were a little bit different. Priests, priests were of man for gods, or God, by man. And, and the idea was that the priests brought sacrifices to, to satiate the gods, to feed the gods, to bring out worship to the gods in order to um, empower them and to recognize them. God doesn't need our sacrifices. So the priesthood isn't really necessarily about God. It's about man's relationship with God. And so the priesthood served man uh, in sacrifice for sins. And then, and then of course, by God. Uh, the, the priesthood was appointed. The high priest was appointed by God. No one could take that honor for themselves. Um, you can see that in verse 4. And no one takes this honor for himself. But only when God, when God called, uh, just as Aaron was. And so, in a moment, we're going to explore why he's setting this up. Because he's about to explain how Jesus fulfills all of these requirements mm -hmm. in being the high priest. Yeah. And so, up to this point in history, kind of the high priests were all descendants of Aaron, who was the first high priest. Except for 
Melchizedek. Melchizedek predates Aaron in the time of Abraham. And so it is great that God writes this there because Jesus was not a direct descendant of Aaron. He was a direct descendant of the line of David. And so we see that this doesn't disqualify Jesus from this appointment of God because of his ancestry, while it may have disqualified others from that appointment. So why is it so important to us? I mean, we know that Jesus is above all things. Jesus is fully God. So, I mean, he could have just come and taken on this mantle as priest, and yet the writer of Hebrews makes this distinction for us that he submits to God to accept this mantle. So Marcus, why is it so important that we see this distinction of Jesus submitting to God in this way? Yeah, just as I was kind of um, researching and, and going through kind of some of uh, some of the scholars who are way smarter than I and what they said, um, one thing that really stuck out to me was actually uh, this quote here. And it says, it's important for us to see that when Jesus surrendered himself entirely to God's will, he obeyed not only in order to honor God, but to also help us see what obedience is all about. And so in that time, the great high priest uh, was kind of like above all of the other priests. And yeah. so um, in seeing how our high priest acted in submission to the Father, um, it allows us to see how we sure. obey and how that obedience is shown in our lives. And so uh, it's, it's always encouraging to see that like Jesus went first. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's interesting too is... Uh, Verse 9 it has this kind of weird moment, and if you read it without understanding, it can sound like maybe uh, a bit of a scandalous thing. Verse 9 says, And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, referencing Jesus. So, so either this is talking about being made perfect in morality, which we know can't be true because we know Jesus led a sin sinless life, and so... What, what is the author talking about? And it's much what you're talking about, being made perfect for the mission that was set before him by submitting himself. And there's some imagery, we'll get to the imagery in Gethsemane, where he submits his will to the Father's will, and in that moment being made perfect mm -hmm. in the mission and the outcome of what he was sent to do. Um, which actually speaks a lot to our lives too, in this yeah. journey of faith we're on. Yeah. I mean, part of our mission here at Evangel, the end part is to look more and more like Jesus every day. And he is our example in all things. And so if we can submit to God like Jesus submitted to God, and we have this example here. So let's go back to kind of those qualifications and the vocation of a priest, because if Jesus took that on, how do we see him as our high priest in function? I mean, we don't live in this world anymore where we have high priests or temples and tabernacles or animal sacrifice. That's not our context. And so how do we marry those two worlds? What we see, the function of a high priest and how Jesus does that for us in our modern context. I, th I think in one way, it's understanding that we do live in that context. Um, though we don't see it, we don't practice it. In this moment, we live in this reality that there's more than just this earth. Um, many of us as human beings have an understanding that there's a, there's a, a metaphysical situation going on around us that we don't fully understand, but the Bible makes it pretty clear to us 
that we live in this sacrificial system, the difference being that Jesus was a sacrifice, and he was a perfect sacrifice, and he is our high priest, and he does intermediate, just as the high priest did in the back in the day, mm -hmm. uh, Jesus intermediates and um, goes to the Father on our behalf for our sins, and so this is our context, it's maybe being reminded of that in this day. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and I think um, one of the pieces that is as we've been journeying through all of Hebrews, is that we kind of are coming to like a like a um, like a combining of all of the things that the writer of Hebrews has brought us into. Yeah. Um, and so I think one of the things that we've talked about before, but that is again clear here, and that we'll see in kind of some of our other questions, is that uh, Jesus, being our great high priest, was the one who advocated for us. Yeah. And so in that advocacy, he offered up things like prayer and supplication um, in a way that was perfect, in a way that was complete, in a way that was um, completely fulfilled and there was something interesting that I was that I found where uh, prayers and supplications are like distinct for a reason actually and prayer was kind of the what the Greek word is there is kind of just the word that we would understand prayer to be but in terms of supplication there's this picture that's painted of holding out an olive branch as a sign of appeal and so I think that's such an interesting um, view that we get of Jesus as our great high priest that he's holding out that olive branch uh, of peace, of appealing for us, and so this this sense of action yeah. um, that we still experience today, that Jesus is acting on our behalf as our advocate. Yeah, and I love that unlike the high priest in the Old Testament, like the high priest of the Jewish culture, we don't have to find him. <laughs> mm -hmm. We don't have to wait for a certain time of year or follow rites and rituals. Jesus as our high priest is accessible all the time. And so we can come before him with our requests, we can come before him with our brokenness and sin and find that salvation, find that forgiveness all the time. Um, and so while like we see this all the time with God where he takes what is our human natural and he like ups it, right? He pluses it, he makes it perfect. And he does that here for us. Now, Marcus, you talked about prayers and supplications, and that kind of leads us perfectly into this next section when, I mean, reading it, it might not be super obvious, but it's bringing us back to the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus is approaching the cross and he um, is just aware of the anguish that's before him and he's petitioning God, like, if it's your will, take this cup from me. But... Your will be done. And so how does this give us a glimpse into our relationship with God through suffering? Like how does that um, go hand in hand? I know we love to think that once we come to faith, once we come to Jesus, the world is going to be perfect and all storms are going to miraculously vanish and everything's going to be rosy and perfect. And that's not what's here. Mm -hmm. So how can we reconcile that in light of Jesus' example for us? Yeah, well, if, if you're uh, new with us today or if you're exploring faith and you don't know what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane, it was just before Jesus was um, to be taken to the cross to be crucified and he brings his disciples with him and he tells them to pray and they fall asleep. Um, but as he's praying, that's where that those anguish, uh, tears and sadness comes from. And I think it's just such an incredible picture to see that, that our high priest, that our savior, 
um, was one who experienced that suffering. Uh, he, was experience, he experienced the same things that we walked through in our life. And yet what was produced in that moment when he said, Lord, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done, is that there's a marriage between his suffering and the fulfillment or the continuation of his obedience. Yeah. And I think that that's such an interesting combination to make because I think it can be so easy for us to just want to learn obedience when it's easy or learn obedience when it's uh, simple for us to do. But I think actually the depth of Jesus's obedience was really shown in his suffering. And I think that would actually be the same for us that a lot of times in our most challenging and most difficult times where it's against our very nature to obey, that when we choose that, we experience such a depth uh, with God. And so it's great to see that, that Jesus was the one who, who modeled that first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm glad to hear you say that. Um, for those of you who have been with us in this community of faith for a while, you might be eye-rolling hearing us talk about suffering again. I'm glad to hear it from a different voice now. Uh, but you can't escape. You can't escape the theme of suffering. Um, particularly here, it talks about suffering and learning. And uh, in our study, there was a, a moment that came up in one of our commentaries that talked about uh, that there's a bit of a, a, a wordplay going on here in, in the Greek about learning, suffering and learning, the depth of learning that comes from suffering. And that was really known in a lot of the Greek uh, dramas and uh, playwrights and and all of that. So this isn't a new idea. It's a profound idea that we need to maybe dig into a little bit more in the Western church in particular. Matthew Henry has this great quote. He was strengthened to support the immense weight of suffering laid upon him. There is no real deliverance from death, but to be carried through it. And I think that there's this half truth um, in Christian culture that says God won't give us more than we can handle. Mm-hmm. And it's this twisted way of reading 1 Corinthians 10 13. But when we see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he needed that strengthening of relationship with God. There was no way in his full humanity for him to bear what was coming. And there are many moments, maybe this COVID-19 crisis is one for you, that in your wisdom, in your strength, in your skill, you can't handle it. But God will carry you through his strength, not ours, his wisdom, not ours. And we end this passage with these words of hope. So can one of you or both of you speak to the hope included at the end of this passage. So, well, I'm going to read it for you uh, just quickly here. It says, it's in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 to 10. It says, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. I I think that there's such great hope there because um, it shows that in that moment that his suffering, what he worked through, what he actually did in order to become our great high priest was not for for naught, Mm -hmm. like that there was purpose to it, um, that there was so much meaning to it. And so although we may find ourselves sometimes in those moments of great distress and in great suffering, um, when we're crying out to God and maybe the answer is different even than we're expecting that we know that there's purpose to it. 
And that purpose is maybe not going to be seen um, right now or even in our life here. Uh, and that's kind of another theme that's further in Hebrews, but that we can hold fast to that hope. Yeah. And I think that that's the very thing that allows us to persevere through those sufferings, to push through those moments. Um, that doesn't make them necessarily easier or more comforting, um, but that at least allows us to push through those moments, is knowing that Jesus was made perfect as our Savior, and that if he's perfect as our Savior and our High Priest, that he empathizes with us in those moments mm -hmm. and brings so much purpose to that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, too, I love the hope. Sometimes we look at the world and we look at history and the study of history, and we, we kind of can think about humanity as a cyclical kind of pattern of living and existence that just seems to go on and on and on in a cycle. But that's not the biblical worldview. The biblical worldview is very linear. Mm -hmm. We're moving towards something. So even when he references being of the order of Melchizedek, you know, I, I was joking in the office, like the OG of uh, the orders of priesthood, um, that Melchizedek is revealed to us as Israel, as a nation back in the time of Abraham, is being uh, covenanted with. And this plan, we can see the picture of this plan being enacted even then, revealed to us even then, and coming to full fruition in Jesus, and him also coming to full fruition in, in the coming age as he brings his kingdom uh, to this earth and makes all things new. There's just so much hope in that. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is a great passage for us to drill down to into hope, because hope is not always just fluffy rainbows and unicorns, right? Hope is that lifeline that we hold to in the middle of a storm. And who Jesus is and who he reveals himself to be in this passage is our hope. Mm -hmm. The access to our high priest, the forgiveness for sins, life eternal with him. That is our hope. And this is a hard-earned, tough hope passage. But I think that means so much in the midst of those storms and those difficult times um, because it's so annoying when you're going through trials and people are like skipping through life, right? Um, and here's a God who truly understands our suffering. Mm -hmm. So to conclude, let's just go through and tell me what really stood out to you personally as you read through this. What was God teaching you specifically throughout this passage? I think for me, what was um, just so clear is kind of the, the encouragement or the um, necessity for obedience, where Jesus in this entire passage talks, it talks about his obedience and his, what, like you just said, his hard-earned um, obedience. And so there's a quote that I want to read that was just really like inspiring to me. It says, the necessity of obedience to Christ is not in contrast to the necessity of faith. For true faith and obedience are always found together the latter the product and the sign of the former. And I think that's just such a, such a key and was something that Pastor Lucas spoke to even last week, but was just put into sharper contrast for me. Um, and even just considering Jesus's life, like Jesus, his whole entire life from his, even his incarnation until his death and resurrection uh, was about obeying God's will. Where as a boy, he was found in the temple and he basically said like, I'm making the father's business my business. And so I think that this is such a challenge for us as we read this chapter 
um, to show obedience to God by continually making his will yeah. our own. Absolutely. And the reminder that that's like an every day or every moment um, kind of choice that we get to make. And so it was just like really challenging for me and also like encouraging for me knowing that in those, those asks for obedience and those requests and necessity of it, that I can see a picture of somebody who did it with perfection yeah. and yet is within me and is guiding me and is leading me and empathizes with me when it's, when it's hard, when it's yeah, difficult. That's great. Yeah, for me, there's a word that kind of came up and it was in the description of the priesthood at the front end of this. Um, that, and the word is metriopathine. And it's, it's kind of translated in the English like to feel gently, but it's really like untranslatable. We don't have words to really express it very well. So it's, a, it's kind of the midpoint between two extremes. Um, you know, those, those that might, you know, go the extreme of anger to the, the extreme of s such sympathy that they don't do anything. Uh, it's kind of this middle ground, this empathetic, uh, balanced, way of reacting and coming alongside people and that that was the function of the priests because they were weak because they were frail human understood that because they had to make sacrifices of sin um, for their own sin before they could service the sins of others with sacrifice um, it, it brought them to this place where they're kind of in the middle we know that Jesus perfectly encapsulates uh, the high priesthood and what that all meant right like right down to the last like dotting of the I and crossing of the T. So it just gives you this great picture of the character of God through Jesus, mm -hmm. that he is our advocate, like you said, like he's our advocate and he comes to us with this empathy that loves us enough to accept us, but also loves us enough to kind of spur us and to uh, inspire us and challenge us to live different in the day-to-day -day and look more and more like him each day. Uh, I just love that because I think some people have this picture of God uh, as angry, judgmental, um, and Jesus shows us, <laughs> shows us a really a beautiful, balanced, empathetic God who comes alongside his people. Yeah. I think for me, uh, the biggest point was, was being made perfect in suffering. There's a great quote that character is revealed in crisis, mm -hmm. uh, but I think character is formed in suffering. Mm -hmm. And it's been a good reminder to me not to waste this time. Like I am probably like you, ready for this to end. <laughs> <laughs> like life didn't get easier, life didn't get slower life amped mm -hmm. up and it has been exhausting to try and get through this season and I can either allow my heart to get bitter and resent what we're going through or I can present it to God as clay and say Lord like in this season what do you need to refine in me in this season what values do you need to reshape in this season how can you perfect me to look more and more like you through this suffering and i mean obviously we're in this covid 19 crisis right now but this extends through our lives to that health scare we can either allow our heart to our heart to get hard or we can allow god to shape and refine us 
and to turn it to good as he's promised to do. And so that has really been a big piece um, for me personally. Well, thank you guys so much for this conversation on Hebrews 5, 1 through 11. Um, I just want to pray for us, but I also forgot earlier that I was supposed to mention we're going to do communion next week. And so please have whatever elements you have at home that could be your coffee or orange juice or water um, and some sort of bread or cracker element and gather around as a family and let's do this together in community. But allow me to pray for us. So Father God, I thank you that we do have an advocate, that we do have a high priest who is attentive and who is acting on our behalf. I thank you, God, that you are our salvation, that you are our sacrifice, our atoning sacrifice, and that we can come to you with our brokenness and you don't uh, look down upon us, you don't dismiss us, but you understand our weakness and you clothe us in your righteousness. We cannot be perfect, but you are. Yes. We are never enough, but you are. And you've made that way. You've made that exchange for us to have a relationship with you. I thank you, God, that your hope and your peace is also found in your presence. And so as we go through today and this week, God, would you open our eyes to see you? Would you open our ears to hear your still small voice as we spend time with you in the midst of the good and the bad? Would you refine us to look more and more like you? And in those times when it would be easy just to disobey, when it would be easy to do our own thing, when it would be easy to take the easy way out, God, would you remind us what your obedience cost mm -hmm. and that you were our example and would you fortify us would you give us the self-control the fruit of the spirit to follow your lead we love you thank you so much for your work in our life and we trust you in the midst of everything that's happening in our world in your precious name amen and if you are exploring faith with us and maybe this is new to you, um, we would love to have a conversation. If you just feel that God is kind of sparking something in you, yeah. don't hesitate to reach out. We will put in the description ways that you can contact us either through our website or us in the office directly. And we exist to partner with you in your exploration of faith, yeah. your journey of faith, and this continued journey of looking more and more like Jesus each day. So we're there for you. God bless. Thanks for joining us, everyone. See you guys. Bye.